You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work. And all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, and so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. <sighs> Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> if they were curious, they would ask questions, you know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? Which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to 16 when he passed away. So you just heard a little excerpt from one of my favorite episodes of the Apple TV show, Ted Lasso. And at first glance, Ted offers a simple message. Be curious, not judgmental. Instead of making assumptions about other people, ask questions. Seek first to understand. But when it comes to leadership, this isn't always so simple. We've got a responsibility to the team. We have to hold people accountable. We have to enforce standards. And yes, we got to make assessments about an individual's character and, and ability. And from those assessments, we have to make hard decisions. So how do we apply this principle in coaching? Well, just last week in the podcast, we finished up part two of our incredible conversation with Andre Petroius where he talked about the concept of understand and assist. Andre shared how he made this change in his coaching from jumping to judgments and conclusions to working to understand the athletes' challenges and assist them in the change. Now, in today's episode on the Coaching Culture Podcast, my friend and co-host Nate Sanderson and myself are going to unpack how it's easy to fall into a judgmental mindset towards our players. We're going to share some curious questions to ask your players to help you move from that judgmental to curious mindset. And then how to support, some ways to support uh, or assist our players in the struggle while still holding them to a standard. Thanks for listening into the podcast brought to you by TOC Culture Consulting. I'm the founder, JP Nurbin. And if you haven't already, I'd encourage you to head on over to tocculture.com. And register for our weekly newsletter. Not only will you get the notes of the podcast, but you're going to get weekly tips to build your culture and a host of other free resources. Now let's jump right into our conversation for the day. One of the activities that I've often done with my coaching staff prior to the start of a season is taking our roster and having our coaches evaluate or rank, rate, their relationship with each player on the roster now, we'd look at that as a scale of zero to five, and we'd say, well, zero, maybe the only thing you know about that kid is their name or their number. Five is, you know, the kids that you've been closest to over the course of your career, you know, that's the standard for a five. And our purpose in that was to try to identify players that none of us were connecting with. But what was interesting about the conversation the first year that we did that is we were trying to figure out how do you quantify a relationship with a player? I said this to my staff. I said, think about it this way. How comfortable would that player be coming to you and telling you something that you don't want to hear? 
Have we created a place where they feel safe enough that they can do something like that, that they could come and say, coach, I don't know if I like basketball anymore, that they could come and say, I don't understand what we're doing offensively here. We did this in the summer with my AAU coach, blah, 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 blah. Now, I think over the years, as we've tried to grow a place of psychological safety, using that as a metric where, where players have the freedom and safety to express their opinions, I thought that was the end all be all. I thought that's what empathy meant. Just give their voice a place to be heard. But what I've found in, in experience is that the struggle is not always necessarily just creating a place of sharing. It's now what do we do when they come to you and they tell you something that you don't want to hear? How do we handle that? How do we balance, as our friend of the podcast, Ted Lasso says, being curious without being judgmental? Well, I wouldn't even just say it's, it's about them expressing opinions. It's about them just sharing what's going on in their life without feeling like you might come down with some judgment or some lecture or some prescription of you just telling them what they need to do about it. And I know uh, that oftentimes that was my challenge, you know, like a player might open up to, to me about something they're struggling with. And I just go and say, well, do you need to work harder or you need to just do this, you know, to, to, to get through this challenge that you're facing. So I think really here, it's, it's not just about expressing opinions, but just sharing what's going on in their life, knowing that you will be understanding, right? And, and, and at the end of the day, um, we want our players to feel seen. Um, and to feel known and to feel cared for. And JP, I would take that even one step further. You know, we've had some great experiences at our TOC retreats over the years. And, and part of what we've done uh, up in the mountains in Utah is take a deep dive into how the brain works. Um, and one of the things that when I think of empathy and I think of creating a place for players to share just what you described there. I'm really trying to give their limbic system, their stress response system, an opportunity to disarm itself, right? An opportunity to regulate just through sharing, just through the verbalization of whatever they might be feeling or whatever they might be going through. Because as the, as the research and the science tells us, we have to be able to connect with them before we're going to be able to coach them through whatever these challenges are. Because this is also part of the challenge that we're going to unpack in this conversation here is that if a player comes to you before practice and they just bombed the math test or their boyfriend broke up with them or they're having trouble at home or their parents are fighting, none of those things necessarily excuse the standard for the day for them in practice. But our ultimate goal would be how can we support them so that they can still show up in the way that their team expects? And again, that all starts with the ability to connect first. So we're working to be curious instead of judgmental. Uh, we're going to unpack a little bit about what it means to be curious and ways to be curious in a second. But I kind of want to unpack this whole idea around what it looks like when we're judgmental. I think it looks, and, and why we're judgmental, because I think it looks a little bit different for different uh, people. For, for me and the coaches I, I work with, I, I see a lot of like we get, when we start using labels like entitled uh, or selfish, like we're in that mindset where we're not very curious, we're judgmental. Like, a player does something um, on the court or on the field or off the field. And we're like, how could they do that? Do they not even think about how that would impact everybody else, how that's hurting the team? Like when we start saying these things, we're probably moving to judgments 
uh, instead of coming in with curiosity. So those labeling, uh, that labeling is, is often a sign that we're being judgmental, as well as just kind of when we're belittling or criticizing or lecturing our players, when we're cutting them down uh, or we're telling them, we're just trying to tell them what they need to do to, to, to change. I think that's a sign that we're in that kind of judgmental mindset. And we probably need to press pause as a coach and take a step back and start to focus on being a little more curious. Well, again, going back to the brain science and some of the conversations that we had this summer up in Park City, part of the challenge here is that the brain naturally is trying to search for patterns to shortcut our perceptions in life, right? Like that's part of our survival mechanism. And so when you see a player that shows up late for practice, you automatically think back to the other players that have been late for practice before. And then whatever characteristics they might have shared, we tend to immediately project on the kid that was late today, whether that's legitimate or not. And I think a lot of times it's, it's not that we're intentional in trying to label kids or, or tear them down in that way. I think it's just part of the way that our brains work, work against us in that sense of trying to see each kid and each situation as unique rather than, you know, just another Mad Lib where we're just changing the name and we're changing the date and it's the same lazy, entitled, you know, kid that's coming in that doesn't care. And obviously those labels then are going to affect how we interact with them going forward. Yeah, that's because we have these pre-existing narratives. We have these stories that we're telling ourselves about our players that honestly just aren't always true. You know, or maybe there's some shred of truth to them, but they're not the whole truth. I think the other reason we get judgmental is that we take things personal, that we take things personal. We see a player's lack of effort, a player's not loving their season. They're ready for the season to be over, right? I had a coach recently that was, you know, really disappointed because a player shared with another player that I just can't wait for the season to be over. He, the coach heard this and was like really upset and he wanted to know who because he was taking it personally because honestly, we see it as our responsibility so often that our players have a great experience. And so when they don't, we take it personally. So we take uh, players' behaviors or beliefs, we take it personal. And one thing I often try to remind coaches of is that you know people do things not because of who we are, but because of who they are. Right. And we've got to stop trying to take people's beliefs or attitudes or behaviors as so personal, because when we do that, just kind of pushes us more into that judgmental mindset or attitude toward, towards individuals. So what can we do as coaches to avoid these situations where we're just jumping to conclusions and judgments left and right here? I think, number one, it, there's a recognition. There's got to be a little bit of self-awareness here that when the train leaves the track and I'm just starting to rant in my mind that this is happening, right? Like I need to practice, as, as we often say, just pressing pause and creating some space to ask some questions. One of the ways that I've done this over the years, we've kind of modified our attendance policy. Uh, I used to be a big rules guy. You know, if you miss this practice, this happens. If you're late here, this happens. If these excuses are okay, these excuses aren't okay. And now what we do is our rule is if you're going to be late for something, anything, I need a text message before that thing was scheduled to start, okay? I don't need the reason. First of all, I just want to know that you're safe and that you know, you're on your way or you have an idea of when you're going to be there. And then we'll have a conversation. 
And I think what that's done for me is that it's created space for me to search for understanding as to what's going on. So just an example, JP, from yesterday, our first practice of the year, we had a preseason meeting uh, right before we took the floor. And a kid texted me at three o'clock and said, hey, I have to run home. I'll be late to the meeting. And so I'm not, I'm like, this is not a great way to start the season. You know, you've had the schedule for six weeks. Like, and in my mind, these are the things I'm thinking, right? And so anyway, I just said, thanks for letting me know and get here when you can. And so one of my coaches touched base with her after she got there and come to find out mom had written down the schedule wrong. And so the player was responsible for getting all of her siblings home after school. And it wasn't her fault. Like, what is she going to just leave her, you know, fourth, fifth and eighth grade sisters at school for four hours while we practice? You know, obviously she had to take care of that. And again, it's helped me to just wait, just wait and ask and find out what's going on before I start telling myself, here's a freshman that doesn't care about what we're doing here. They're not committed. They're not even going to stay out there. You know, I go down, like you said, you know, we, these common narratives that I've run, run in my mind before, just creating some space and saying, okay, we'll touch base about that when you get here has been really good for us because it's allowed us space to be more curious. Hey, I love that story. And I like just this whole idea of just asking your players, hey, don't even have to give me a reason because I, sometimes the reason is even a trigger for me. I, not, not to talk too much about being late because obviously we're talking about other things as well. But, you know, the, I had had a very similar experience, you know, and, and being on time is one of my non-negotiables as a coach. But, you know, years and years ago, I had a senior come in late one year for a practice and his Commitment, I believed, was wavering, you know, middle of the season. He wasn't playing as much. And I laid into him. Like I just lit him up and just, it was attack. It was a lecture. It was about how he's letting people down. And, and this is just, he just walked in the building, you know, I just said, come over here. And I just lay into the guy. And honestly, it's one of the most embarrassing and things that I regret. And I've actually apologized to this player uh, years later. Um, and I really don't know to this day what the full story was with that player. I know that they probably were struggling with commitment and I, I would probably struggle with commitment too, if I had a coach like myself, uh, at the time, but a year later, I, I did exactly what you're talking about. I pressed pause. I had a player walk in the gym and, um, he was late. He was a senior, not playing a whole lot, commitment wavering, right? One of those situations as well. But this time I just called him over and I just, you know, put my arm on him and say, Hey, what's going on? And he just looks at me and he says, coach, uh, haven't shared this with you, but just, you know, two days ago, my father was arrested and he's in jail. And I was just on the phone with him, talking with him. Now, I don't know the other kids, you know, the year before story, but I mean, imagine if I had had that same response where I never even asked like, hey, what's going on? You know, I never even took the time to listen. Imagine the damage that I could have done. Imagine the missed opportunity that I would have had to connect with that individual and to support that individual. And in this situation, I just, you know, said to that player, like, hey, let's, let's talk about this more after practice. Um, sure, there's a lot going on here. I think you practicing would be really, hopefully, good for you. How do you feel about that? He's like, yeah, coach, I think it'd be good too. So he just goes out there and practices. We move on, right? But then we get to have a great conversation after that practice where I'm able to connect and help that person uh, through some what was a really difficult time in their life. I'm sure that we could fill multiple episodes talking about our failures when it comes to not being understanding or empathetic or asking enough questions. But one more comes to mind, you know, just listening to you share there. I remember a couple of years ago, we had a player that I had heard through, 
through the captains and through some of her teammates that she was frustrated because in that season, she was off the ball for us. So, you know, she's cutting and she's slashing and she's a spot up shooter, but she's not bringing the ball up the floor. And that was frustrating for her. I never really understood why. I never really followed up in any of our one-on-ones to ask about it. I just assumed it was dad getting in her ear or people outside the program telling her that she should be the point guard or whatever it might be. And so I remember at the end of the year, we had our our last one-on-one. And, you know, our purpose there was just to kind of clear the air so that everybody's on the same page going into the postseason. And I just asked this player, I said, you know, what's been the most frustrating thing for you this year? And for the first time, she said to me, well, coach, it's just been really hard because I haven't been on the ball my whole life since I started playing. I've been the point guard on my team. And now for the first time, I'm just trying to learn to play off of the ball. It's been a challenge. And so we talked a little bit more about that. And she also said that that's her favorite position. And she was a little bit concerned that she'd never get that opportunity playing for me. Now, as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, because in my mind, she's going to be our starting point guard for at least two, maybe three years in the future. But I never shared that with her. Right. And so here we are, my lack of curiosity to understand her frustration and my lack of communicating the things that I was thinking created this gulf that was wasn't necessary. Right. If I would have just been better about asking more questions. So when it comes to being curious, it's not just about asking questions, though. It's about the mindset with which we are asking those questions. And for those that remember in episode 181 with Sam Whitney from the Arbinger Institute, they talked about inward versus outward mindset. And when we're inward with people, um, we see them as obstacles or vehicles to our, our own success, to our, to our own needs and desires. But when we're outward, we see them as people, people with desires and needs and challenges just as legitimate as our own. So just asking questions isn't enough because sometimes we could be asking those questions kind of as a tool or trick to kind of manipulate our players to get them to do what we want them to do. Instead of asking that question with genuine curiosity and concern for that individual, the individual's needs, desires, and challenges, and and seeing those as important, as legitimate as our own. And then with, and without that outward mindset, people will see through those questions. They'll sense that we don't really truly care. And if we really want them to, to feel that, that psychological safety with us, to share and to open up, uh, we have to make sure that we're seeing the person. JP, if we're being really honest here, I, I think the challenge that I've run into as a coach as I've tried to be more curious and be more understanding and facilitate more of those conversations during the season is what happens, you know, what do I do with the things that players share? Because empathy isn't just an excuse. You know, we, we don't just accept sort of the struggles that players are having and then say, Oh, we don't need to practice hard today. Or, Oh, don't worry about doing your job today. Like that's not real life. Right. I, I, I remember you know, sitting down with a player a few years ago whose playing time had been gradually decreasing throughout the year. So she was like number six or seven to start the year. By the end of the year, she's barely getting a turn in games. And so we had a one-on-one and we talked about it and she's really emotional and it's frustrating and it's, she's sad, you know, she's really disappointed. She's crying and, you know, it's a little bit intense. And so I felt like in the chair there, as I'm listening to this, like on the one hand, I feel for this player, but on the other hand, 
I can't say, well, because you're so upset emotionally, I guess I'll try to find you more minutes. And I think that's where it's really difficult to balance understanding with, again, the standards or the jobs that are still required of our players. And I think that the thing that's hard for me is, is I'm afraid that if I hold them to a standard, if I challenge them after we've had this conversation, I've, I've showed, tried to show understanding that they won't feel safe to share again. You know, like it's, it's, it's trying to be both understanding and show that empathy, but at the end of the day say like, well, Hey, you know, you've, you've, you can, you can push through this. Right. I, I think this is a cultural thing though. And this is a big problem. I think with a lot of kind of the younger generation that we're, we're bringing up as coaches and parents and teachers where we're trying to be understanding of the challenges of what it is to be a high school athlete, a college athlete today with social media and all the things out there and how difficult COVID was for everyone and their situation. Um, when it comes to, you know, even just turning in academic work, you know, stuff like that you hear about, you know, we're trying to be understanding of this is a difficult situation. But I think we're letting people off the hook you know, at the end of the day. And I think that's, that's instead of giving them the message of, Hey, I know this is hard. I know this is a really challenging situation for you. I know that you're not feeling like you love the game of basketball or you're like, you're loving soccer right now, but you made a commitment and people are counting on you to do your job and to show up and to work hard and have a good attitude. And I know you can do that. And this is the message that we need to be giving people in these moments is this is hard, this is tough, I'm here with you, but I believe in you. I don't think we're giving people that message enough, and I think we got to find more ways to communicate that, because I think that's where we help them to build resiliency, is walking through the struggles with them, encouraging them, and telling them that, yes, they can, uh, they can do hard things. Here's the other thing that's hard for me. I mean, if you pump me full of truth serum, and you asked me about the challenges associated with this, I would also add that what I'm looking for in a conversation, player says, I don't know why we're running this offense and we should be doing this over here, or I don't know why I'm not playing X, Y, Z. I listen, I hear them out, and I'm looking for reciprocation. As a human being, when I extend the offer to understand better, you know, to ask questions and try to get clarity and to try to value that person's perspective, there is part of me that is just begging for the opportunity to also be understood. Like, don't you realize how difficult it is to, to not play three seniors over here when we're still not winning games or to, you know, whatever it might be, whatever the situation is that, that makes those decisions hard for us. And I think that's rare. I think partially because of this generation, and I don't mean that in a negative way, I just think we don't practice because we communicate so much through screens or our young people do that there isn't the practice of mutual understanding. There isn't the practice of reciprocating empathy in a, in a conversation with a face-to-face -face with a real person. And I think that makes the job harder. You know, when I, we talk a lot about Chris Voss's work and it never split the difference. You know, and one of the most powerful questions that he asks when they're negotiating with terrorists or they're trying to come to an agreement is how can I do that? How am I supposed to do that? So he listens, he understands, and then he says, look, here are my limitations. Help me figure out how to help you. 
And there's something about bringing them into sort of a collaboration in solving this problem that I think is hard to get to sometimes. And I don't know if it's right for me to want that, but I think ultimately that's where we'd love to get in the relationships that we have with players is that we could get to a place of mutual understanding so that we could find a mutually beneficial solution to whatever our challenge might be. Yeah, so what Voss is really driving at is a solutions-based approach. And that's really, I think, where it's like this collaborative thing where like we're working with them. We're not just saying, all right, well, that's tough, you know, figure it out. Like it's like, okay, how can I help you? How can I help support you through this? Because you've made a commitment to this team. And that requires you to show up and work hard and and have a positive attitude about it. And doesn't mean you're always gonna be perfect on that but it doesn't free you from that commitment, you know? And I think that's what we're really trying to drive at with this question of, you know, what can I do about it? Or how can I support you? Or what do you think is a a good solution moving forward? What you're describing there, JP, reminds me of a chapter in Seth Wickersham's book, It's Better to Be Feared About the Patriots Dynasty. And he's got a chapter in there about your buddy, Jack Easterby, and kind of his role in New England when he was there as the character coach. And essentially, his job was to provide a place for players to be understood while they were also expected to do their job. And I think that's the tension, right, that we, we are trying to find a way to operate in is how can we be both understanding and still helping players to be able to perform their responsibilities, you know, whatever they're being asked to do. One of the ways that we've been able to steer conversations in that direction of the idea of finding a mutually beneficial solution is simply asking players, you know, when they've voiced their frustrations or their challenges, what is the story that you want to tell at the end of this thing? You know, you and I got small kids and we tell stories all the time. Do we want to tell the story of "Ah, things got really tough and so I quit the basketball team my senior year? Or do you want to tell your kid the story that, you know, things got really tough and I found a way to be a great teammate. And what, what's the lesson that you would want to pass on from that experience? And sometimes that framing can be really uh, effective and beneficial for the player to see things a little bit differently. And the last thing I'd say, JP, as we get ready to get out of here this week is that I think as coaches, and maybe I'm just speaking from my own personal experience, we don't do a good enough job of celebrating the stories when players do go through some things They have a tough academic load. Their boyfriend breaks up with them. Their parents are a mess. And yet they still show up every day and they give their all to the team. We don't do a good enough job celebrating and honoring those players and retelling their stories almost as inspiration or as a roadmap for the players that will follow. And I think I've got to do a better job of just paying attention when players are fighting through things and they make it to the other side. How can we get their stories to be shared and to be told so that there is a roadmap? There is a way to both be understood and to do your job. So here's my big encouragement for all of us as coaches. When an athlete's behavior is unacceptable, we need to understand, assist, and enforce. We need to seek to understand why they're behaving this way. I think we need to offer assistance and support them to change their behavior. But then we need to enforce the relevant related respectful consequence. So understand, assist, and enforce when necessary. It will do wonders for your relationships and will likely lead to a better uh, turnaround as well for that individual. 
Now, thanks for listening in to today's episode. I just wanted to share a couple things here. One is that I really appreciate all the people that take the time to send me or Nate a personal email uh, sharing how the podcast has impacted their coaching. That means a lot to us. And it probably means more to us than you going out and sharing um, that message on social media or you're leaving us a review. However, it doesn't mean more to the outside world. And we really want to continue to spread our message across the sports world. And so we'd ask you if you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, first off. And then secondly, anytime you listen to an episode, um, share it on social media. It's really appreciated. Uh, We still love all the personal messages and emails as well. But if you can continue to help to promote this podcast, we greatly appreciate that as well.